0: Hello, I'm Paul Gilbert and welcome to Strategic Leadership. This is a channel where we focus on strategy and leadership. And the reason we do it is to really refine organizations so that they can deliver their product, their service to their constituents and customers in the best possible way. And today, we're specifically going to be talking about leadership in times of crisis. So this breaks down into both leadership communication, crisis communication, and what you can do to be prepared for times of crisis so that you can manage them better. The last year has been dominated by the COVID-19 pandemic, and there's been lots of opportunity to practice crisis communication. And it's really a nice time to sit back and reflect on on what works and what doesn't work and, and why for those things. So we're going to be talking a little bit about why to communicate, how to communicate and, and how to best prepare for times of crisis. So the reasons to communicate are really that having real and accurate information in times of crisis is very important because in those times people will be looking for information and answers. And if you don't deliver, Accurate information, your staff will and constituents will come up with their own answers. Um, this is why we have so many conspiracy theories today because if people either don't trust the source of the information or or don't have accurate information, they will fill in the gaps with other things. So it's very important to stay ahead of the game and communicate early and often in times of crisis, and communicate accurately the whole time so that you're avoiding theories that may not be grounded in reality. You also want to communicate so that you are building a level of trust. Again, the more times you communicate, the more accurately you communicate, the more those that you're talking to will believe what you say and, and, and take that as the truth. The third reason is it builds your team. When there is a crisis of any kind, the team either comes together or it, or it goes apart. And if you are in a leadership position and you can be bringing everyone together, conveying the information, giving direction, and having them work as a team, it will keep people focused and keep them moving in, in a productive direction. So this gets back to being authentic and trusted as a leader. And this does not happen overnight. Really, you need to be working on this all the time so that when those times come up that you're needed as a crisis communicator, you are trusted. But it means that you need to start building that reputation. And this kind of gets back to uh, John Maxwell's five levels of leadership. If, is we just sort of refresh on that. His bottom level of leadership is positional, just because you have the title and the the job title. The le- the second level is permission. That is when those that are following you are doing so willingly. The third level is production. You show your team that you can produce and deliver for the organization. The third is. People development, that's where you're being a mentor and helping others achieve their goals. And the fourth, the pinnacle, is where people are following you not because of what you do, but because of the values you represent. So let's break that down in terms of trust and communication. So if you have shown that you can produce good results in the organization, then you're fitting in with the level three in, in Maxwell's hierarchy. If you have mentored others and shown empathy for others, then, then you're at level four. And if people are following you because of the values that you represent, then you're at a level five. And if you can start developing your leadership credentials and, and building your team in a way that they value you as as a team member and as a leader, they'll be willing to listen to you and willing to follow you in times of crisis. So when times are in crisis, people are sort of hardwired to hear the negative and react to it. And this is one of the things that you really need to work with when you're trying to do crisis communication. People are are pretty hardwired to identify threats and react. We have the the fight or flight mode when we are confronted with, with something unpleasant. And in either fight or flight, people aren't listening anymore. One of the important things to remember as a person in a position of authority is that those around you will assume that you have information, access to information that they don't have and they will read in to whatever you say. It means that it's very important to not be any more negative than you absolutely need to be to communicate that information, because people will read that information 10 times worse than you're delivering it. Just think for a moment if you were to say the following things and how your staff might react. You say, I'd like to To talk with you about a performance issue. Well, gosh, you could be telling them that they did a great job. But just saying we want to talk about a performance issue, many people will assume that it's a performance deficiency and that they are going to be reprimanded and they will start viewing it 10 times worse than it is. If you say that it looks like this year's budget will be difficult, people may assume much, much worse than you're thinking. You say that we need to reduce personnel expenses, they may start sharpening up their resumes and and looking for a new job when you're just thinking that it's a minor change. So it's very important to understand that what you say and what is heard are not necessarily the same thing, and to be very cautious of that as a person in a position of authority, so that you're delivering information in a calm, cool, accurate manner. And You don't. You you need the self-discipline, not to add any fuel to the fire of people being nervous and upset. So instead of saying a statement that others could read as negative, control your yourself and don't say anything unless you have thought it through and communicate it in the right sort of way. So let's talk about how you're going to communicate in a time of honest-to-goodness crisis. First and foremost, you are going to be honest, completely honest, because that is what will build credibility for the next situation and the next situation. That doesn't mean that you amplify it. It just means that what you say has to be factually correct to the best of your knowledge. You want to be very direct about it. Again, you don't want to talk in very broad terms but be very specific about what the what the threat and the issue and the crisis is and be honest about it. You want to be emotionally calm and low-key. Even if the information is, is very difficult, actually, the more difficult it is, the, the calmer you want to be in the delivery of it. People take in much more of the visual and the, the, the sound and intonation of the way you speak than they do the actual words. So the words can be accurate. If the delivery is calm, people will listen to it much better and absorb it much better. So that's why you're doing that. And then finally, you want to be empathetic and understand that for many, they might be hearing this information for the first time or hearing it for one of the first times in a more complete manner, and that it might be difficult for them. So, you may have had a little time to process it before you deliver your your message. They may be hearing it for the first time. So, be empathetic to their situation, listening to you. In crisis, you want to deliver information on a, a very regular basis because it gets back to the thing we were talking about before, where. People will fill in the blanks if there is a gap in information. So you want to communicate regularly. You want to keep your communications short and to the point. And the reason you do that is that same dynamic of how people are able to hear a negative message, a crisis message, and their faculties to listen to it and absorb information will be much more limited. So you deliver the message in a much shorter, clearer way. One of the things to do is if there's any kind of numbers involved, simplify the heck out of them. Use a simple chart and try not to have too many data points because um, again, in a moment of crisis, your, your mental faculties are not at the same level. You're not able to absorb information the way you can in a normal period of time. So keeping it very simple, to the point, keep any kind of information in terms of numbers, simple, graphically displayed, and keep the messages short and simple is really a good way. Because what you're trying to do is not communicate volumes, but communicate in chunks of honest information that are of a size and nature that people can absorb well and then come back and and deliver another piece of information at another time. Um, It really is working with our our human nature and being able to communicate in times where everyone around you's emotional levels may be higher and they may be more in a fight-or-flight mode. So let's move from communication to what you can do to plan for future crises, plan in a way that, that your organization is more resilient to change. And let me tell you about a study that was done. There was a a study of nine urban hospitals where they compared different ways that hospital staff were trained the typical training routine is within the silo. So, people doing like jobs work together. And that's a very natural way to work with others and train. But if you are able to train in a cross functional way where people doing different roles are working together and understanding the roles that others are playing, that is much, much more effective for when you have attrition in the organization. Attrition is when people are no longer there. So it might be because they've left for another job, they've retired. It could be because they're out sick. It could be because of a whole range of things. But life happens, and sometimes people that maybe are trained and that you're counting on for certain things are not available. And the study found that the organizations with cross-functional training worked so much better because the other people on the cross-functional team had an understanding of what the person that wasn't there did. And because they had an understanding of what their role was, they could all step in and do pieces of it and there weren't balls dropped. In the organizations that trained in a silo of people doing like things, when someone wasn't there, the other people doing other roles really didn't know what that person did in a very deep way. And so they weren't able to step in and and make those functions happen. Let me talk to you about a another um, version of that story. Um, you heard about the hospitals and their training, but here's one from the American Civil War that I think is kind of interesting and speaks to the same thing. At the Battle of Appomattox, there was a group of Union soldiers that were known as the Iron Brigade, and they had spent the first year of the war really out of combat but training, and their commander, uh, a general named John Gibbon, really trained this group very rigorously. So they would get up every morning at the crack of dawn. It didn't matter what your rank was. You were a part of the whole group, and everyone learned everything together. They had no combat experience for nearly a year. And with just a couple of weeks of combat experience, they found themselves at the Battle of Appomattox, which was the, the bloodiest battle in the Civil War, the bloodiest battle in America's history, the bloodiest day in America's history, um, a really horrible place to be. And the interesting thing was they were right at a very critical point in that, in that battle and the functioning of that group was central to the outcome of of the battle and you could say the outcome of the war there was a lot of attrition people were were falling right and left in that group they were still able to function because everyone knew everyone's job so there was a there was a lieutenant dawes who had to assume the role of a of a colonel there was general gibbon who you who I mentioned earlier, who took on the role of two or three people that would operate a cannon, and he was single-handedly operating that cannon. So people were taking roles above their normal one and below their normal one, and they all knew what to do because they had spent all of this time in cross-functional training. You probably didn't call it that at the time, but that's what it was. And they were able to function really, really well in the worst of all possible conditions. So that really gets back to how you run your organization when it's not in a time of crisis. And do you look for opportunities to do cross-functional things so that the people in your organization know and understand the roles of others? And if you can do that, it's, it's not always easy. It's not always natural to do the cross-functional teams but it really does pay off. And it's been proven in both history and studies to be highly, highly effective. So what have we learned? We have learned that it's very important to be an authentic leader and an honest leader in times of crisis. When you're communicating, you're communicating in an honest, direct, calm and empathetic way. You wanna keep numbers as simple as possible Use graphs if you need to. You also want to, long before a crisis ever happens, try to have more cross-functional training and working together than siloed. And that really helps in the, in the long run. In my own experience through the pandemic, I relied heavily on videos because in a time where you really weren't supposed to be gathering people together, it was a great way to communicate with everyone at one time in a in a quick manner. And because the nature of the emergency, things were changing regularly. Um, during the the worst part of it, it was almost weekly that there'd be some new change, some new order. It would change our operations in various ways. There was certainly lots of fear out there that was well-rooted and lots of questions, because as the pandemic started, there were more questions than answers. So I did a lot of videos. I tried to keep them short and direct, and I think they were pretty effective in in communicating the messages that had to be communicated. They were not very polished. Um, Most of the time, I had notes in my hands because it was more important for me to get information accurately conveyed than to worry about having it come across as as very rehearsed and polished. And that's okay. It all depends on what the, the mode of communication is and what the goal of it is. If The goal is to be quick and accurate, then don't worry about having a lot of polish on it. People will appreciate that it's authentic in the moment and accurate, and that will help build faith and trust and confidence in the, the next communication, the next issue, and how you move forward in your organization. So thank you so much for joining me for this little discussion about crisis communication. I hope it was useful. I think um, we we all hope that moments of crisis will will never come, but in life they do. And so it's better to be prepared than not prepared. It's better to think about how to communicate in an honest and cool and calm way in just daily communication. Try to keep anything negative as minimum as possible. And if it is negative, be very specific about it so that you're not sending people often in directions that are unproductive. Remember that whatever you say that is negative will be read 10 times worse by those that are, that are absorbing that communication, whether it's written, verbal, however you, you do it. So there's a lot to think about there, but communication can really be the key, is the key in times of crisis, if we do it in an honest, consistent way, if we're communicating often. The other thing that communicating often and honestly does is it shows a level of trust that you are honoring and trusting those that you're communicating with. And people recognize that and value that, and that helps then build the team. So all of this is, again, to build strong organizations that can move forward and do great things. Thank you for joining me for this little discussion of crisis communication, training, other things related to times of crisis. Please like, subscribe, comment, to this content one of the things that does is it helps others find this content and finding this content might be useful for others thank you again for joining me in strategic leadership look forward to talking to you next time